Welcome to the online Bible study of Trusting God. This week we are starting off with chapter 1, and our memory verse was Psalms 32, verse 10. It said, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Notice here that David uses the familiar motif of contrasting God's dealings with the righteous and the wicked. He first gives a word of caution to the sinners that the way of sin will certainly end in sorrow. And then he gives a word of comfort to those who trust in the Lord that they will experience God's mercy, his love and protection around them. Now the requirement of trust is dynamically equivalent to the expression of reliance on the Lord in verse 7. Let's look back here in verse 7. It says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Ladies, isn't it comforting to know that as we trust in the Lord, that His mercy surrounds us, that we can go to Him anytime, 24-7, and that He knows what we are going through, and He will deliver us. Ladies, God is completely sovereign, infinite in His wisdom, perfect in His love, and therefore worthy of our trust. God's desire for us is that we learn to trust Him. Now all of us experience adversity at different times and in varying degrees throughout our lives, right? Now our first question in the study guide really makes us think. It asks, do you have a harder time trusting God in the major trials of your life or relatively minor things? So the question is, what do we consider major trials? and what are relatively minor ones. Each person can answer this question differently. One person may find it to be difficult, where another one may find it to be minor. To help illustrate this, this week my husband and I were both put into a position where we had to trust God to work things out. For one instance, last Thursday, I mentioned to you ladies how we were going to be using technology to further the gospel and honor God, right? That you can feel free to contact me at any time via email because I had my email addresses sent right to my phone and I can have that with me 24-7. I was not tied to a computer. Well, Friday morning, we both noticed, my husband and I, that we weren't receiving any emails to our phones. Well, now that's very unusual because we always have email coming in. So we called to see if there was a problem with our service. To make a long story short, we have spent several days and hours on the phone and the problem is still not resolved. We went to the highest level of technicians and they were all just baffled as to what is causing the problem. Now to some, receiving emails on the phone would be a minor problem, right? For us it was huge because we have several ministries tied to our email addresses. For instance, we're in charge of the prayer chain. We receive and send out prayer requests via email. So when those prayer requests come in, we want to get them immediately out to the prayer warriors. We actually leave our phone on at night so that if a prayer request comes in, it wakes us up and we can get that out immediately. We take this ministry seriously and we don't want to have a prayer request waiting to be posted. Then I have other email addresses linked for Bible study. 
that are linked to our social networking page that we just set up. And that is so that you can contact me. We can contact each other and make comments. Well, all of this is connected to my email address. So, for some, that would be a minor inconvenience not to have their email to their phone. But for my husband and I, it was really huge not to have that connection. Jerry Bridges shares of a time while he was writing this book that he experienced a physical ailment that exasperated a lifelong infirmity and it was not responding to medical treatment. He continually prayed to God also for relief and was reminded of Solomon's words. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 13 it says, Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? God had brought a crooked event into his life and he had become acutely aware that only God could straighten it. We read in scripture that the Apostle Paul pleaded with God three times to take away the thorn in the flesh before he finally found God's grace to be sufficient. And then there's Joseph who pleaded with Pharaoh's cupbearer in Genesis 40 to mention him to Pharaoh and get him out of prison. He did remember him, right? But it wasn't right away. It was two years later, but it was in God's timing and Joseph was released. So the question would be, as we face major and minor adversities and pain in our lives, can you trust God? Think about this question. Can you trust God? Now, depending on which word you emphasize, it can have different meanings. For example, if you emphasize trust, you're saying, in other words, is God dependable in times of adversity? Or if you emphasize you, can you trust God? Then you're making this a little more personal, right? It's saying, do you have such a relationship with God and such a confidence in Him that you believe He is with you in your adversity, even though you do not see any evidence of His presence or His power? D.L. Moody said, Trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in money and you may have it taken away from you. Trust in reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. So, we ask ourselves, do I really trust God with all of my heart in all of the events of my life? Ladies, when the path is straight and things are going smooth, it is so easy to trust God, isn't it? But what about those times when adversity strikes and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Perhaps you've lost your job and in this economy it's hard to find another job, right? You find yourself suffering financially. Perhaps you just found out you have cancer or some other illness. Maybe a tragedy in your life has struck and you simply don't understand why God allowed that to happen in your life. These are the times, ladies, that really test our faith. It is through these times 
that we should be dropping to our knees and asking God to help, knowing that He is in control, knowing that He is sovereign, all-knowing, and all-powerful. There is nothing out of His grasp. You remember our circle from one of our previous studies, that everything you experience has to go through Christ first. You have that circle, the huge circle around, the little circle in the, between, in the middle of it is you. And then on the outside, you see temptations and you see trials and the arrow is trying to get in to get to you. But notice that in order to get to you, it has to go through that outer circle. And that outer circle is God. So everything that comes at you goes through Christ first. Philippians 4.6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Greek here shows us that we are commanded to be anxious for not one thing. Ladies, that means the major and the minor things of life. It is easy to think of the major things in our lives because they're the ones that leave such an impact on us, don't they? But what about those little frustrations in our daily lives that momentarily grab our attention and rob us of our peace of mind? For instance, let's say you go to vacuum and your vacuum cleaner breaks down. You plan on studying on the computer and the power goes out. Or let's say you make some plans to work in the yard and the weather changes and it starts pouring down rain. Ladies, you can go on and on with these little life frustrations. Life is full of such events, little frustrations, little anxieties, and little disappointments that tempt us to fret, to fume, and worry. And yet scripture commands us to not be anxious for not one thing. We need to trust God in everything. The small adversities, the large adversities, even when we don't understand why. We need to understand and be reminded in all times that God is in control. We don't know what the future holds, do we? For us, but God sees that big picture and we need to trust him to direct our path. Let's turn over to Proverbs and look at chapter 27, verse 1. It says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And now I want you to turn over to James. Look at chapter 4 as we look at verses 13 to 16. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. In light of these two passages, what should our perspective in regards to the future be? We don't know what the future holds, do we? 
Now we can make plans, but it doesn't necessarily mean those plans are going to come to fruition. Only God really knows what is going to happen. Just like my friends, Frida and Redmond, they made plans to meet in the parking lot of his law office after Redmond got off work, and they were going to go to church together. But what actually happened was a client's husband was waiting in that parking lot also for Redmond as he shot and killed him in front of Frida, his daughter, and his grandson. Ladies, they could never have planned for this. And Frida is still asking those questions. Why? Where was God? Why did God allow this to happen? Oh, ladies, just because we are Christians does not mean that we won't face tragedies in our lives. We may not understand why God allows tragedies, but we do know that He is in control and that He sees the big picture. Now, maybe through Redmond's death, the manner in which he died, and the biblical legacy that he left, maybe God will use this to reach people for salvation who otherwise would not have been reached before. We don't know, ladies, what the purpose is all the time, but we do know that God is in control and He sees the big picture. He knows the purpose for our life. Jerry Bridges brought out a description of life in his book that it was like having a thick curtain hung across our path. And you can just visualize this. As we go down the path on our journey through life, the curtain recedes step by step. And we can only see what life reveals as we take each step. None of us can tell what is beyond that curtain. None of us can tell what events a single day or hour may bring into our lives. And sometimes that receding curtain reveals events pretty much just as we expected them. But often it also reveals events most unexpected and frequently most undesired. But we do know that even though we don't see what is behind that curtain, God does. He knows. And we need to rest in Him. Now we can all think of instances where our plans did not come to fruition. But this is all the more reason as to why we need to trust God. As we saw in our memory verse this week in Psalms 32.10, that as we trust Him, we are surrounded by His mercy. And then last week we saw in Proverbs 3.5, where it said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That the Greek language was showing that we are commanded to trust God, to trust on Him and not to lean on our own understanding. And now I want us to look over to John chapter 14, and let's look at verse 1. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now this verse is quoted many times when someone is faced with difficulties that are too big to overcome. But we must remember to keep this verse in context. Now in the previous chapter, Jesus had just informed his disciples that he was going away and that they were no longer to be able to follow him. They had been with him constantly for three years 
And now he was telling them that they were going to be apart, that they were going to part ways. Now, this news was devastating to them. They wanted to stay with their master. Their world was about to be turned upside down, and everything that they believed about Jesus was to be severely tested. Jesus here was encouraging them to be at peace despite the events they were about to go through. But far more significant, Jesus here is encouraging them to believe in him as well. Jesus had taught them about the oneness of the Father and the Son. His disciples could find assurance by their belief in God and their belief in him. And so can we. So even though we don't understand why we are going through adversity or why our world is being turned upside down, Scripture comforts us to trust God, that He sees the bigger picture, that He is in control, that He is there surrounding us with His mercies, and that He knows why and has a purpose in our life. So the question would be is, can I trust God even when He doesn't take away my illness, or even when he doesn't heal me from cancer? Can I trust God even if he doesn't restore every relationship that has been damaged? Can I trust God when my life seems to be turned upside down and I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Ladies, the answer to these questions depends on your relationship with God. Do you have such a relationship with God and such a confidence in Him that you believe He is with you in your adversity. As we have seen in our past studies, ladies, you can have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with God, one that transforms your life when you relinquish control to Him and ultimately make Him Lord of your life. When you fully rely on God in all the circumstances of your life, As we continue in this study, we will learn to trust God in the midst of our pain, whatever form it may take. It does not matter whether our pain is trivial or traumatic, temporary or interminable. In order to trust God, we need to know Him as our personal Savior. We need to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then David said in Psalms 9.10, it says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. We are to seek God to know him. To know God's name is to know Him in an intimate, personal way. It is more than just knowing facts about God. It is coming into a deeper, personal relationship with Him as a result of seeking Him in the midst of our personal pain and discovering that He Himself is trustworthy. Job said in Job 42.5, I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, But now my eyes sees you. Meaning, he changed from just having head knowledge to a heart knowledge. He knew God 
experientially. Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Ladies, Paul also wanted an experiential knowledge and not just a head knowledge. When you want to go and get to know a person, you spend time with that person, don't you, to get to know them. We too need to spend time with God every day. We need to be in His Word every day so that we can learn about Him. Romans 10.17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In order to trust God, we need to know Him. We need to look at our circumstances, not through our eyes, but through His. Because He does have a plan and a purpose for our lives. God views our distrust in Him as seriously as He views our disobedience. In Psalm 78, 19-22, it shows how the Israelites were hungry. They lost their faith. They did not trust God to meet their needs. Well, they spoke out against God, didn't they? They started saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Can He give bread also? Can He provide meat for His people? And then we see in verses 21 to 22, it shows how this hurt God. And when he heard this, scripture says he was furious. It is just as important, ladies, to trust God as it is to obey him. When we disobey God, we defy his authority. And when we fail to trust God, we doubt his sovereignty and question his goodness. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Ladies, we may not understand the whys of life, but we know who is in control of our life. God, in his love, always wills what is best for us. In his wisdom, he always knows what is best for us. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about. Ladies, we need to understand that. We need to know that God is a God of compassion. He knows what you're going through, and He has a plan for our life. His hand, ladies, is stretched out. We just need to grab hold of it. Trust Him to meet every need of your life. Don't be like the Israelites. Don't speak out against God in unbelief. Know that in every situation, He knows what is best. This week, as you walk with Christ in the journey of life, try to remember at those little times of frustrations in our day that momentarily grab our attention and rob us of our peace of mind that God is there with you. And don't allow it to fester. Refocus your mind back on God. When the major adversities strike, remember God is there with you. He is actually carrying you through those tough times. Call out to Him. Seek Him. And know that He sees the big picture. Psalms 50 verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Ladies, it's in those times of adversities when we are trusting God, we do glorify his name. Next week we're going to be looking at lesson 2 in the study guide, which covers chapters 2 and 3 of the book Trusting God. Until then, have a blessed week, and God bless.